into another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. I'm Madison, joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, week nine is in the books and we're turning the corner. Don't look now, October's over. No, no more games in October. We're looking forward to the home stretch with November uh, and uh, December bowl games. All that is now firmly within view. I don't mean to, to start out on a sour note, but this is the one week every year because it's always the same game, Georgia-Florida, just because it means so much. This is the beginning of the end in my mind every year. It's like this 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 game culminates it, and then it's down you know down the home stretch they come. And sure. So, Kind of marks the beginning of the end of the football season, at yeah. least college. You know, the pros go a little bit longer. But. Well, for us Georgia people, by now we kind of have an idea of, uh, you know, SEC championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as far as the East goes, yeah, sure, we've had some fluky losses uh, versus t- uh, Kentucky. But after that, it's Auburn, who obviously is a huge rival of us, but that doesn't have as big of implications. And then uh, also Georgia Tech, again, a big rival, but zero implications as far as the SEC picture. So you're right. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like in summer when you get to the 4th of July and it's the last big thing you're looking forward to. And there's fun things down the stretch. You still got a whole bunch of summer left, but it just kind of feels like the the last big thing is over. It is. You know, Labor Day kicks it off. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Excuse me. Memorial Day. It's been a long weekend. (laughs) And then it's like you hit July 4th is kind of like the beginning of the end. Yeah. That's when the back to school ads start running. You start thinking of picking out your backpack, everything like that. But, uh, you know, hey, we're not going to lay mint on what is going on in the future. Let's look back at what happened this past week. Week 9 wrap-up show. Excuse my voice. I was actually at the world's largest outdoor outdoor, outdoor cocktail party. You still drunk? (sighs) One of those cocktails? No. Uh, I'm not gonna even <laughs> not gonna even say anything about that. Uh-oh. You, on the other hand, were able to watch most of the game, so I'm gonna rely on you heavily. I've actually watched it back. What? Watched the game already back? Again? Yeah. Oh my lord! I watched it again this morning. Wow. Okay. Well, you you were able to uh, you know have eyes on multiple games, so I'm gonna rely on you pretty heavily. Okay. I'm gonna mainly. I haven't really been able to delve in deep. I've been traveling back from Jacksonville, so a lot of my knowledge is gonna come from things I've seen on Twitter and heard through the grapevine. So I'm gonna rely heavily heavily on you for this one. Uh, wanted to go ahead. Do you have any key takeaways from this you know weekend as a whole? Anything maybe we didn't hit? Any games we didn't cover last week? Aren't gonna cover on this podcast that you wanted to address? Uh, like you like I said, any key takeaways from the weekend? That uh, hits you. Oh man, um, not not too much. I guess I guess if you think about the, it was kind of the Big Twelve, the Big Ten. It's it's all mediocrity other than the SEC. It seems like so it was. You know, Texas went down. That actually didn't surprise me, um, but I, I did think Texas would pull it out. But that's a tough place to play. Tough environment. Um, and then, you know, the, the mess up in Penn State didn't end up pulling it out, so that was big for, for the Big uh, Big Ten. But um, I think it was uh, – it's – I think it's the setup for next week and the SEC is – you could almost tell feel it watching CBS. I know you didn't see this aspect yet until you go back and rewatch it, but um, they were kind of even hinting like this week's great. We love this event every year, but – Next week is the behemoth of of it's the you know number one week of the sure. year because they're going down to Baton Rouge number one versus number four so it almost felt like they were getting ready for that but you also got you know the showdown in Lexington that's going to be a fun one but I think in all in all it was kind of a kind of a just normal typical week and yeah. I felt like it just kind of played out like normal there wasn't too many 
things I saw that were outlandish. Well, we are, you you kind of hinted towards it. We're finally starting to get a really good, we can start finally start looking ahead to the playoff. You know, you obviously start doing that before the season even starts. You're making predictions and things of that nature. But we finally know, you know, it it looks like Notre Dame's probably not going to go down. So they're definitely going to be in. I don't know. Have you seen their travel schedule though? Like they, that, that could watch out for that. I mean, they don't have a tough schedule. It could, something could happen. Something could happen. So, so I actually thought of that, that. I saw this. Um, someone posted this. It was something interesting. If Notre Dame loses one of these games, that's to a mediocre team. There's a chance at the end of the year the only team that they've played that was ranked was Michigan. Now they beat Michigan. Sure. But if Michigan, and Michigan say, say continues Michigan to do well, wins out, and a lot of people are high on them. They're saying Michigan will get in over no. Notre Dame, even though you know the head-to-head factor doesn't matter. No. You know, that was a week one game. Your team, you don't know what kind of what you said. Now you're kind of seeing the teams get better and separate from the rest. The yeah. cream of the crop are rising, you know, to the top. And um, so it's interesting. Just that's kind of a, a question that I, you know, pose to you, just because it's interesting to think about and kind of when you're talking playoffs. It'll, it'll be interesting to note. I, I don't think that happens. Again, we'll have a lot of time to talk about this down the stretch. But, you know, back to my original point, it's prob- I don't see anybody taking down Alabama. I don't see Notre Dame going down. I don't think they put in a Michigan over Notre Dame. So then it starts kind of looking and seeing who's going to fill that three and four spot. you got to think, yeah, you know, we well, Clemson, that's true, Clemson. Yeah, so so who's, right who's going to cover that four spot? You know, is it going to – which conference, rather, is going to be left out? It's probably going to be two conferences. Is the Pac-12 out? Well, Probably, but you know, Washington State continuing to dominate. They've only lost one game. I know. Um, like, it's weird so to it's, say Washington State. It could but. potentially be them. Like to your point, it could be a Michigan. Uh, you know, even though they had that Purdue loss, you know, Ohio State's only lost one game. Georgia's only lost one game, depending on what happens in Baton Rouge this weekend. So there's a lot of cool things coming down the stretch, despite the meat of the season being over. Uh, and so, without further ado, let's go ahead and let's get into what we covered in Week Nine: our picks and our predictions. Uh, let's circle back around and see how we did you went you and I went uh pretty much against each other in every single game I had a, had a couple overlaps I told you uh, when we were making the picks after like the third or fourth one we had gone against each other I said I don't feel good about any of my picks and I said because you were making the bold plays and I was just like I'm going with the chalk and I just felt this is gonna go really bad or really good and it was pretty bad week for me as far as just my public plays out there ultimately you got four points i got seven so yeah first one under five so i oh. have to get it back on track yeah here. you except for the week that you didn't fill out picks true we true. didn't we I, didn't I, end up putting episode out but pierce made picks oh he didn't make picks rather and i had two of my friends uh, who were on the podcast but due to technical difficulties well. we well you didn't do you didn't do bad I but I did six well, I don't Pretty know. If, I don't six, know if yeah. you did that much. I don't know if I trusted it. Hampy and Casey to get you to six. I wouldn't have. No offense to Hampy and Casey. All right, <laughs> only Casey will hear that. Hampy doesn't listen to this show. All right, um, let's go ahead and let's get into Week Nine games. Uh, we're starting off with the first game we covered, which was an ACC matchup. The number two Clemson Tigers went down to Tallahassee to take on the Florida State Florida State Seminoles. That line was about seventeen, I think, when we picked it. And Clemson covered it all day long. They win the game 59-10. to 10. Total dominance. I mean, going into halftime for it to be 28 nothing. there's this sad picture. I don't know if you've seen it circulating. Yeah, of a Florida State fan sitting all lonesome by himself in the stadium. No shirt on, and he's just reading a book. And that's kind of what it's come down to, to be a Florida State fan at this point. All is not lost. There's still a chance that they could pick up a couple games and be bowl eligible. But 
ultimately to be going down, you know, to be at home, had to play at noon because they're so bad, and, and your biggest rival, biggest conference rival, and to go down by 49 points is a pretty pathetic showing. Did you watch any of this game? What are your thoughts uh, here with the uh, Seminoles and I, Tigers? So I was actually uh, more in tune to the Purdue-Michigan State game than this one at the time slot. Okay. Um, but I, I saw a bunch of highlights and would flip over from that time to time, but it, it was just so quick, Clemson getting out getting out ahead and just establishing that they were just far superior. And when you get down, here's the problem. When you get down to a team like Clemson with the D-line they have and they're able to pin back their ears and come at the quarterback because you've got to throw the ball more than you run to come back, you know, Francois was a sitting duck. I mean, 17 of 36 is just not going to cut it. 180 yards – um, that's not going to cut it either. Um, actually brought in Blackman for a few plays to wrap it up. Uh, but, you know, when you're facing a guy like Lawrence, I think we're watching a guy who's really maturing into a a, a potential superstar um, in this, in college football, like, history. Could, like, he, he, I think he's a, put him on your Heisman ballots for the next, he, maybe this year, but certainly in the next couple, as long as he's in college, because this dude can play. Um, I mean, yeah, his completion completion percentage was not as great. Twenty of thirty seven. You'd like to see that higher, but three hundred fourteen yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Pretty much played flawless, um, and they really didn't have to run the ball that much. I mean, Etienne only had forty five rushing yards. So at the end of the day, it was just they got out so quick. It was just it was it was a just no other way way to put it but a blowout. Yeah, to your point, it will be interesting to see. You know, we've kind of seen in the past few years, past I guess four or five years we've seen you know coming down to Clemson and Alabama it will be interesting to see if it comes down to that at the end of the year we get another rematch we'll be watching a different a changing the guard if you will two young guns going at each other with Tua Tungabailoa and Trevor Lawrence but yeah to your point total dominant performance by the Tigers and they will look forward to who do they have next week do you know off the top of your head the Tigers yeah uh I don't I mean, know. The ACC is pretty pretty weak right now so, so whoever they have they should be, be able to handle it yeah, yeah. Oh, oh they go they have Louisville at home. That's going to be a blowout all yeah. day long. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our next game. This was a game that you said you had more eyes on than the Clemson-Florida State game. The Purdue Boilermakers went down into, or not down into, they went over to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. Michigan State, of course, uh, winning that game 23-13. to Purdue ultimately not able to replicate their success they had last week with Ohio State. What were your thoughts here? You said you were watching it pretty closely. So any anything jump out to you? Well, this was your typical, and this is this was weird because Purdue's a, a dangerous offensive team, but they, this was more of your typical Big Ten, sl- like just it seemed like the field was a little bit sloppy, and it actually was a lot hard, more hard hitting than I would have expected, um, and it was a fun game to watch. I, I won't lie, I, I thought the difference was. Really, Purdue's quarterback struggled, and he's been on a hot streak, and he just struggled, and they couldn't really do much else um, on offense. And so he was forcing some things and forcing the issue. And Michigan State played good D. Um, but they had a new quarterback in there, and I don't know if you've seen this guy, but you need to look him up. This dude is something else. He is – he may be my new favorite college football player. His name is Rocky Lombardi. Oh, dude, blonde hair, has flow – hilarious it is this dude and he can play the dude can play i'll give it to him he was taking shots out there commanded the offense made some great throws um you should see his his school picture is hilarious though um where he's got his hair part that one yep oh bad bad radio bad radio his hair is like white well they kept showing that on his when he would make a big play 
they would show that, but he clearly has like longer hair because it comes out the back of his helmet now. Okay. So it's 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 just very. It was funny that they kept that kept popping up. I was like, dude, that you could you could have picked a better picture. That's funny. Um, but yeah, no, the dude could play. He was actually he liked to get physical. Um, as well as ha- he when he got in rhythm, he was slinging the ball. So Michigan State might have found a little something something here. Um. Because they've been struggling all together. So. His game stats, he went 26 for 46, 318 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, to your point on the other side of the ball, something that you know you can't really do if you're, you're Purdue and you're playing in Michigan State, uh, Purdue's quarterback, three interceptions. Exactly. 277 yards, but three interceptions. So Rocky uh, coming out strong and not uh, and, and able to help the Michigan State Spartans that uh, was, possess that was the it. ball. And, and, sorry to interrupt. That was it. Yeah, you're good. And Rondell Moore, their superstar, outside of touches on special teams, he, you know, yes, he had 11 receptions, but he was bottled up for the, for mm. really the entire day, and that's key. Gotcha. Well, awesome. Okay, let's move on then to the next game. Um, another Big Ten matchup. I, the number 18 Iowa Hawkeyes taking on the number 17 Penn State Nittany Lions. Normally, this would be a kind of game that gets a lot of press, um, but with another a couple other hard-hitting matchups happening, this wasn't really on anybody's radars. Neither of these teams really have any kind of playoff implications. Ultimately, the Penn State Nittany Lions take down Iowa 30-24. to um, Pierce, what were your thoughts here on this one? Did you get to watch much of this one? Again, like I said, not super interesting, but it's two ranked teams in the same conference going up against each other. I saw highlights. This was in the two thirty slot, so I'm not flipping over to this to you know from the Georgia game. So I saw highlights here and there when they were commercial breaks. Um, I will. I would jumped out to the lead, and I, I I thought, oh, here we go. I was poised for the upset, and there were a couple weird plays to finish the game where there was a quarterback. The quarterback for Iowa tried to change the play, and the and the center snapped the ball when he came up to the line, and then he threw it, and the guy wasn't ready for it, and he, it was picked off. So Iowa was right there, had a chance to win, but Penn State made a made a great comeback to just start getting their offense, just you know having a pulse and and moving the football. And um, McSorley kind of put the team on his back. And so at the end of the day, Iowa covers, but Penn State, uh, you know, just holds on. I mean, win, by know? all accounts on paper, Iowa dominated the game, or at least led the game in most of the columns, the stats mm-hmm. columns, but Penn State ultimately able to hold the Hawkeyes off um, a potential, I mean slight, but potential upset at home. Penn State, the wheels have kind of coming off for them, so this is a good win for James Franklin and company. The next game that we're going to talk about, this is this was the marquee matchup. This was where game day went, SEC Network went. Everybody was watching this game. Barstool. The, Barstool was there as well? And Barstool oh, was wow. there. It was awesome. I don't care about Barstool Sports. They had Aaron Murray on. It was great. The number nine Florida Gators and the number seven Georgia Bulldogs taking on each other in the annual world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I was there in Jacksonville, Georgia. In the first half, you and I have kind of talked about it a little bit pre-pod. Georgia in the first half looked a little shaky. I was a little worried there, but ultimately gets get 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 it going in the second half. To your prediction, end up coming out winning by 19 points, which when that's you know by all accounts your biggest rival, a 19 point victory is a big deal. So like I said, 36, 17, Georgia takes it home. A little bit less, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, you know, but we become accustomed to a new standard of football with Kirby Smart. Again, 19 points versus your biggest rival. Nothing to scoff at. Really exciting time for the Bulldogs, especially rebounding after that terrible showing two weeks ago in Baton Rouge. Pierce, what were your thoughts on this? I know you were probably glued to the TV. Uh, certainly was. Um, yeah, I mean, there there are some things that, that 
the dogs need to improve on, but at the end of the day, this is, I kind of, I just felt this was coming the entire time. Um, ran the ball better. I thought, despite some adversity, I thought when Andrew Thomas went down in that first, in the first half, the air kind of was let out of the balloon, and I got nervous then. I was like, oh gosh, who are we going to find? And I don't know if you noticed, they started Cade Mays in at left tackle, switched him to right guard and put Kendall Baker in. Then Kendall Baker got hurt that, late, yep. in the, late in, I think, or sometime in the fourth, or late third. Um, and Andrew Thomas had to come back in, but they they pass block the pass blocking was phenomenal I thought in this game allowing giving from a chance you know a clean pocket from has proven he can hit players downfield he's got a good arm, good enough arm it's when guys get in his face that where he struggles and I thought we did a good job of picking that up so kudos to the line um, running the ball was better but still welcome was, back DeAndre Swift yeah no kidding and he I mean he did get he was the beneficiary of some great blocks but I thought he did a better job of committing to running inside and picking a gap and going. I thought Holyfield kind of was, he was good early, and then he kind of got a little hesitant and felt like he was just kind of bobbing around in the backfield and was never blowing through holes mm. like Swift was. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Swift with the the home run there at the end. That was is that his first 100-yard uh, game it is. of the season? Yep. All right, there you it go. Is. Swift, like you said, 12 carries, 104 yards, one touchdown. From 240 yards and three TDs, uh, that is on 17 passes, 24 attempts. I, I, one of the reasons I lost my voice was because I was screaming every single time Felipe Frank said anything good. He's the worst quarterback in the SEC. And certainly he, he did not necessarily impress there. I mean, his completion percentage was pretty good, but he's just not the guy for Dan Mullen in his, this offense. Um, no love lost between Kirby and Mullen either, uh, and, and you saw that post game with Kirby, and I guess Dan Mullen kind of gave him the cold shoulder. You can go watch the videos. Kirby was not too pleased with that, but ultimately, like we said, a good win. A lot of good things as Georgia's heading down the home stretch. Get their get their uh, you know their confidence back. Got to go up to Lexington next week to take on Kentucky. That's going to be no small feat. So hopefully things continue to roll, and it's a good week of preparation for the dogs. All right, moving on. This I mean again another SEC matchup. It's just that time of year, folks. The number twelve Kentucky Wildcat. Headed into Columbia, Missouri to take on Drew Locke and the Missouri Tigers. Um, Pierce, this game, I, w- I was not able to watch it because it was I was at the Florida-Georgia game, and I'm seeing on my phone blowing up. Ten, or Kentucky wins in, in last last play, like craziness, all this stuff. People were freaking out. 15-14, uh, to 14, again, comes down to the last play. What were your thoughts here on this game? Pure pandemonium. It was... The same old Kentucky offense that we've seen over the last, eh, I'd say the better part of the last four or five games. But um, what we learned from this game was Kentucky's defense is legit. They're legit. Holding Drew Locke to 165 yards is phenomenal. Um, they didn't have a 100-yard rusher on Missouri's team, and they've been running the ball well this year. That's that's great, great team defense there. Um, but it was funny. It was I mean, Missouri was up 14-3 to late. I remember seeing a highlight, and it was because the Georgia game was kind of just finishing and there was something else on. And um, I remember seeing uh, the backup in there, Gunnar Hope, and he threw one and almost got picked off, and it was like 4th and 23 from their own goal line. And um, I was thinking, well, this game's over. And then all of a sudden I'm looking up and I'm going, oh, my, I'm getting updates, and it's they're com- making a comeback. And uh, they... I'm I'm happy they came back because I wanted to see the showdown in Lexington. I will admit, but um, this Kentucky defense is is real. They're the real deal, and 
So, you know. So let me ask you this. You keep saying that, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I want to know your thoughts on this. So going into the season, everybody thought, oh, Drew Locke, he could potentially be on the Heisman ballot. Uh, you know, he's a potential first-round pick. And we've really seen kind of a quiet season for Drew Locke, kind of a disappointing season for him. So I want to know, was it Kentucky's defense being, you know, lights out, or is it more of an indictment on Drew Locke and his ability? Um, I'd say it's more Kentucky's defense. Um, okay. I, I will admit, I think Locke is, again, All a lot of QBs would be great or better than they are if they could have a clean pocket all the time. Um, but I think Locke, when he does have time, is a phenomenal quarterback. But I've never been too high on him. That being said, this is not his fault. Kentucky's defense has only allowed, and, and, and you go back to a good Central Michigan team, they allowed 20 to them, only 16 to Florida, only 7 to Mississippi State, only 10 to South Carolina, in a losing effort in overtime, only 20 to, to Texas A&M, who put up more points against Clemson than they did Kentucky. Um, Vandy to 7 and Mizzou to 14. I mean, this defense is their their strong suit, and, and they rely on them heavily. And as long as they keep keep playing well, this, that's, this team's going to keep moving on. All right, well, it should be interesting to watch next week when the dogs come into Lexington. Moving on, the next game that we covered was the number 22 NC State Wolfpack taking on Syracuse Orange. Syracuse ends up winning this game 51-41, to and for the first time I think I saw in like 17 years because of the result of this game, obviously, beating a ranked opponent at home, Syracuse is now about to be ranked for the first time in like 17 years. So good on the Orangemen and uh, ultimately getting the win versus the NC State Wolfpack, who we thought, you know, a couple, I remember a couple weeks ago, I was praising NC State, being like, what if they're undefeated? Nobody's talking about them. Quickly, the wheels have come off for them, and so Syracuse gets the win. What you looking at? You want to get my attention. What's going on? I just want to say, here's a stat for you, or or, or a question more so, that we need to look up, um, because I'm curious to know. Was the last time they were ranked, the Syracuse Orangemen, was when Donovan McNabb was there. Was that was that the last time they were ranked? Seventeen mm. years sounds about sounds right. about right. I'm, I I remember there being a seven. I saw that right before I was getting on the plane. Uh, seventeen years. Let's see here. This is from Syracuse.com. Hold on, sorry, I'm not to put a pause in here. Bad radio. I'm. I you you surprised me with this. The last time. Syracuse Orange was ranked in a top 25 poll came at the end of the 2001 season they finished 10 and 3 that year uh they upset number five Virginia Tech and Blattsburg I'm not seeing who was the quarterback then but 2001 who would that have been I think McNabb was more McNabb played in the late 90s in the pros I believe so I want to say that may have been a few years after McNabb um so their quarterback Looks like they split. They had a junior, Troy Nunez, and R.J. Anderson, a sophomore. So that would have been their quarterback. So no Donovan McNabb. Sorry about that. Yeah, that was predated. Interesting. Wow. Well. Well, what were your thoughts here on this game this year, the 2018 Syracuse Orange as they took on NC State? Uh, What were your thoughts? I chose NC State like a fool, um, thinking that they would bounce back. I I did say, I did give uh, Syracuse credit. They, they 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 can play they can play some ball. They have a, some good talent. I was a little worried. I, I had heard rumors that maybe Dungey, their their quarterback, wasn't going to play or wasn't going to start. I guess maybe he had been playing poorly, but um, I mean, no doubt about it. Did he show up? Um, 
You know, he went for 411 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, on top of his ability to escape, he rushed the ball 15 times. Um, it was just, it was a fun game to watch if you like offense for sure. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. When um, both quarterbacks throw for over 400 <laughs> yards. I know. I know. No kidding. Um, yeah, Finley had a great game as well. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of who could, who could outlast the other on the offensive side of the ball and. Syracuse being at home, I think that helped them. Um, well, Syracuse has had a couple close calls this season. Yeah. They've gone to overtime a couple times, so good for them to get this win uh, versus a ranked opponent. Like I said, first time in 17 years. First time since 2001 that Syracuse is going to be ranked. That's a pretty big deal for them and awesome to see, ultimately. All right, uh, the next game that we covered going back to the SEC, number 16, Texas A&M Aggies taking on Mississippi State Bulldogs in uh, Stark Vegas. Ultimately, uh, the Klanga Klanga proves to be too much for the Aggies. Mississippi State takes it 28-13. to 13. I've been singing Kellen Mond's praises, but he did not necessarily, he was not the most accurate on the night. Nick Fitzgerald getting it done through the air and on the ground. What were your thoughts here on this game? Um, It was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was Fitzgerald who who was actually able to hit some downfield passes. And that, yeah. that opened up. I mean, up. he threw for 241. That's nothing to scoff at. Yeah, nothing to scoff at. It wasn't, you know, a superstars type of game. But, I mean, he's not asked to do too much. He's just asked to hit a couple of those downfield passes sure. and to manage. To open up the field a little bit. Because they have yeah. a good rushing attack. And they've got a good defense. So, I, I was on A&M big time here. Um, I will admit. But, at the end of the day, afterwards, I, I was like, how could I not see this coming? Um there, very early in the game, there was a throw that Fitzgerald hit a guy on, on a simple scene, a simple uh, go route um, down the sidelines for a touchdown, and that was like a thirty or forty yard touchdown. And it was kind of like, okay, if Nick Fitzgerald's hitting that, this defense going to have to stay back a little bit more. This this game just opened up. It looks like they're they've got a good chance to win this game. So, surprise, Jimbo didn't have his boys ready. Um, but Mississippi State's too good of a team to to keep losing like they they have been. So. Sure. Um, they're going to win some games like this. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our S – oh, no, we got one more SEC game to cover. But first off, we're going to cover Washington State, the Cougars, coming in at number 14, going to Palo Alto and playing Stanford Cardinal, who were 24 heading into the game, and Washington State Cougars. I mean, I did not think at the beginning of the year we'd be talking about this, but slowly, quietly, surely, they are now 7-1 and one on the season. They get it done – beating the Stanford Cardinal 41-38. to 38. Uh, You know, you and I were talking about this pre... I think we were talking about it at the beginning of the podcast, too. You know, do we start looking at Washington State as a potential playoff contender? I don't know if you necessarily say that, but is that disrespectful? They do play in the Pac-12. It's not like they're playing out in the MAC or something like that. So, you know, getting it done versus Stanford Cardinal and Bryce Love, who we thought, were, again, thought we were going to be punching a Heisman ballot for him. Washington State, Mike Leach and company getting it done. I don't know if they get in, though, but I want to hear your thoughts here on this game. It's a tough road to hoe for uh, Washington State, but they if they were to win out, and I mean tough because their schedule and they've got to continue to win these big games and there aren't many on their schedule so that they won't get the benefit of the doubt at the end of the day in that regard. Um, but if they can continue to win out and have some, some games where they just dominate the, their, the inferior opponents and not have a slip-up, you could pose the argument. I mean, hey, who am I to say? 
Well, they don't have any more ranked opponents on their schedule as of right now. Obviously, that could I don't think that's going to change. They got to play Cal, Colorado, Arizona, and Washington. Three of those games are Washington at home. Washington will be a big one. That'll be a big one, and it will be at home, so that will give them a slight advantage. But uh, if you're looking back at their schedule, not great for them since Oregon's been kind of laying some egg or laid an egg this week since they played them last week and upset them. But they played them at number twelve, and Stanford obviously was ranked this week. So yeah, like you said, they got a tough road to hoe. Uh, interesting terminology for you to put it there, but that's fine. Um, but <laughs> I need like. No, it's okay. I don't know. I, here's the thing is, I'm. we've already seen it a little bit, but if Washington State doesn't get in, I fully expect Mike Leach to have some awesome rants about having that 16-team playoff that he's been talking about. Oh, boy. They might be riding the pirate ships. I love it. He, he, was, he always is like, you know, everyone from intramural softball to kids' Little League baseball can get it right, and the, the NCAA can't figure out how to run a playoff. Oh, listeners, if you haven't seen, they showed it on game day. If you, hadn't, if you haven't seen the picture of Mike Leach, and I, I guess – they didn't really describe the story, or at least, at least I didn't hear it because I was too appalled at the, the painting that was <laughs> delivered to Mike Leach. But I guess it was three students who painted a picture of him, and he's, like, shirtless, and they obviously made him a lot skinnier, and he's, like, painted like a Greek— I want to say it was Greek God, if I recall correctly, and, oh, it was hilarious. Absolutely must. Got to go see it. Go check it out now. It's— you can't. You, you got to see this. It's too good. Too good to be true. That is funny. Uh, Mike Leach is the best. But all right. Well, let's go ahead. We got two more games to cover here. Throwing it back to the SEC, the Tennessee Volunteers going into Columbia, South Carolina, taking on the Gamecocks. I said it going into it that I was worried that the Sandman and all that stuff would be too much for them to handle, and surely it was. South Carolina takes the game 27-24. to A little bit closer margin of victory than I anticipated, not going to lie. Um, but, you know... Ultimately, Jerry Pruitt and the Tennessee Volunteers just aren't that great, so they lose to a mediocre, mediocre rather, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks team. Boy, how the mighty have fallen! Um, went back in Week Two when South Carolina was facing Georgia, and it was the biggest game in their program's history. And now they've gone from this up, up, up tempo, spread it out, pass happy type of offense to throwing the ball fifteen times total on the game, uh, 16, sixteen. Excuse me. Um and and just doing work on the ground and that's how you get it done in the SEC and you got to pass to win games but you you run to to preserve games and to to really just dominate and impose your will and you got to be able to do that in the SEC and um I wasn't surprised by Tennessee keeping this close I was I thought they they were gonna pull it out um just couldn't get anything going in the fourth quarter there um and like you said you 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 pointed you you made the best point at night. So so take away their record. At night, a proud fan base like that, they're going to be loud and rambunctious, and that's a tough place to play. And so you got to give you got to give Tennessee credit. They stepped up, covered the spread. Um, arguably should have won, but um, still, still two teams duking it out. Yeah, I mean. I think that Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee will be back, but it's just not going to happen this year. So that's unfortunate for them. Uh, and they probably, well, nope, they, I don't think they'll be going bowling this year. I mean, they would still, on the rest of their schedule, they've got Charlotte, who you would assume is going to be a win, Kentucky, which will probably be a loss, Missouri, who who knows what's going to happen there, and then Vandy, who probably also could potentially be a loss. So I don't really know, but it looks like they might have one more win in their back pocket, maybe a, maybe shock the world and get two. Uh, but I, I don't think ultimately they'll be going bowling. Not that anybody expected them to be, but uh, not great for uh, Jeremy Pruitt in his first year. All right, the last game we covered, the number six Texas Longhorns falling to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. 
Cowboys 38 to 35. Uh, I saw a lot of people going crazy on Twitter being like, oh, remember when we all talked about Texas being back? I still think Texas is back. This is more of a great, you know, great game for uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys, in my opinion, but uh, not great for Tom Herman and company who thought, you know, hey, maybe they're looking at a playoff, and we're obviously certainly not going to see that now. Uh, the only chance left for the Big 12 is going to be Oklahoma, so we'll see how that hap- how that works. But uh, as the Big 12 boy over here, what did you think about this game? Um, this was one where I thought, yeah, despite all the, the Texas is back talk, um, I thought that they have got improved so much on the line of scrimmages. Um, they've always had talent. It's kind of like a Florida. Um, you know, they always have talent. It's just getting the right pieces in place, and especially on offensive and defensive line. Um, and I thought they would win on the line of scrimmage. However, um, as the weekend progressed, I, I slowly started to think more and more, okay, Oklahoma State, I, that, I like them a lot. I actually took them to win straight up. Um I just liked him that much. I mean, I knew it was going to be a close game, but uh, I think the story here is, as interestingly enough, is while both teams played pretty well, um, you know, you can argue Oklahoma State just played a little bit better. Did you see the the hullabaloo between Herman and and Gundy? No, but I saw Gundy afterwards. Somebody was asking him about Twitter, and he goes, "This is what I think about Twitter." And then he like did a little raspberry to the camera or whatever. Really? Yeah. So I don't even know. I was like watching the video and I couldn't even figure out what it was about. I'll have to dig down to the bottom of it. But Herman was like, he was upset at Oklahoma State on a, what he said should have been a false start, trying to lure his team off sides. And like, he called a timeout just to argue with the rest further. And then he got out on the field and was like yelling at Gundy late in the game, like, losing his mind. He looks like a, a lunatic, like a typical, like an Urban Meyer lunatic. Um, you know, of course he's a disciple, but he was, uh, Hey, he's passionate and he's, he's, uh, he's trying to get this program turned around. It's a proud fan base. That's, uh, not going to take losing. So, sure. you know, I get that, but it tough place to play. Having been to Stillwater, see a game, they beat those daggum pole, whatever those are, those basically, um, little paddles paddles. Yeah. Like, you, you know, in fraternities, you get smoked with. Friend of the pod, I asked a friend of the pod, Summer Frazier, about that a couple of weeks ago because she went to undergrad at Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, so what's the whole deal with that? And she said, I don't know. It's just to be obnoxious and make noise. Oh, yeah. Everyone hates it. So it's so annoying. But hey, and it's not the biggest stadium in the world, but they really do. They really do get loud there. It's 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 a pretty unique, cool place. I'd recommend uh, visiting if you do go to Eskimo Joe's. Oh, yeah. You've been there. You've been to Stillwater. I did. Oh, I went. It was... Nice. uh. An, a losing performance, um, and both teams were pretty pretty close to about even. I would say, you put them on a neutral side. I think it could be a, it could have been a tie, but um, yeah, Oklahoma State beat the Dogs back then. Uh, it was a tough one, but cool to visit Stillwater. Got to hit a couple other games here while we're at it. Uh, a couple of surprising games, rather. Um, Miami, Boston College. Boston College took down Miami. Not that this was a ranked matchup by any shape or form, but, you know, again, wow how the mighty have fallen. You know, we we have Miami kicking off the season, uh, being one of the first marquee games, and ultimately now look like the wheels have totally come off, and uh, I'm not sure what the fan base is saying about Mark Richt right now, but I'm sure, sure it is not necessarily the most positive. A couple other big shakeups. Um, Oregon fell at Arizona 44 to 15. Whoa, not great. 
Uh, not great at all. Unfortunately, Justin Herbert and the boys do not look good right now this late in the season. Uh, Wisconsin falling to Northwestern 31-17. That's a big one. At, yep. Because that means Northwestern is the first is first in their side of the division of that conference. Oh, I didn't even catch yes. that. Yes. Wow. So now that makes that road for the whoever wins the other side of that a lot easier in my opinion. Yeah. But hey, maybe Northwestern's the real deal. I don't know. But, uh, you know, you thought Wisconsin, at least you want someone to kind of the other side's just praying for to to play somebody really good and at least decent in the Big Ten championship sure. so they can win, but boost their resume. Because at this point, sure, they might end up beating themselves up. Yeah, and and that could very much happen. Northwestern, of course, hasn't necessarily laid down and died. Uh, they have had a couple games where it was like that, and they've had a couple games, uh, most notably, I believe, with Michigan, where it was a little bit closer than anybody anticipated. Uh, Texas Tech fell to Iowa State. Uh, I mean, uh, let me try to see who else. Anything else that we didn't cover that was a big game? I think that's about it. So uh, that's pretty much the biggest shakeups of the um, from the games. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. So we're gonna look ahead to Week Ten coming to you probably Thursday morning. We're trying to get into that rhythm. Um, I think that's it for Week Nine. So for the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, I'm Madison, and I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>